Hello, you're listening to Which Moving Pictures Move Us, and I'm your host, Emma Bolzner. Today we are starting our Christmas theme for the month of December. We won't be just doing Christmas movies, but also some Christmas-themed TV shows. For today, I will be talking about the new Netflix original series, Dash and Lily, starring Austin Abrams and Midori Francis. And with me virtually is my good friend, Hannah. Hi, Emma. Thank you for coming back on the show for the second time. Oh, absolutely. You know, it'll be good to not have Christina here so that we don't have to try and split our time evenly. I can just go as long as I want. So for those of you who haven't seen this new show, since it is pretty new um, and there are eight episodes, the show takes place in New York during the holidays, pre-COVID obviously, which adds to a lot of nostalgia when times were better and follows Lily, played by Midori Francis, who is a late teen and wants to put herself out there during Christmas. So, she decides to leave a notebook in her favorite bookstore with clues for the perfect boy to find throughout New York. The boy who finds the notebook is Dash, played by Austin Abrams, and unlike Lily, doesn't enjoy the holidays or Christmas in general. Throughout the show, they leave clues for one another around New York, while also getting to know each other through the notebook, maybe even better than they know themselves. It is a unique story which brightens your day, and at the end, I'll guarantee you'll have some Christmas spirit. So, Hannah, what do we think of the show Dash and Lily? I really, really loved it. Um, I was having a pretty crappy week when I started the show, and I wanted something that was a little bit, that was movie length, but wasn't as much of a, like, commitment, time commitment as a movie, like, because I feel like with movies I have to sit down and, like, actually, like, be engaged with them, but with Dash and Lily, I was like, okay, I'll just put this on in the background, I'll pay attention to it, but I can also get some work done and just, like, watch it in little spurts and not feel bad about it, which was a big plus, but also it was just, it was just cozy, that's, that's the word that I think of when I, when I think about this show, it was so, just felt like a warm hug and, like, a nice cup of hot chocolate, um, I thought the casting was really, really great for everybody. The entire cast is so good on this show, and the production design is really cool, um, especially when you get to some of the location-specific dares. I'm thinking of um, there's there's a Jewish punk show in episode three, which is rather something. Um, it's just so cool to see New York in a very different light than what I'm used to in a lot of Christmas fair. Yeah, and I was going to say, it does feel like a warm, cozy blanket or a warm cup of hot cocoa, and a lot of the stuff on Netflix is very dark, so it's really nice to have this light 22-minute show. I wasn't really wanting to invest in watching, you know, an hour-long show, but something that is 22 minutes just, just can get my mind off school and and the pandemic and other the personal mm-hmm. problems. It just was so lovely, and I felt that the the casting like you said was excellent it was very organic it didn't feel staged and just seeing New York I was wanting to ask you I've never been to New York have you been to New York I have actually I went to New York with my school in uh, the summer of 2015 uh, late June and it was probably my favorite trip that I've ever taken and I'm desperate to go back someday in the future but like when they there's a scene at the beginning of episode three where Lily goes to Grand Central Station and it's empty and I was like I was there and they don't cop out and use a fake Grand Central Station it is literally 
Grand Central. And I was like, I was there. Um, it was really cool to see it from like, just like a different perspective. It felt very different. And New York is a very popular film location, especially for a lot of holiday fare, because you can shoot in a bunch of different locations and you can easily fake it. But I think Dash and Lily did a really good job of showing it more from like a normal person's point of view. Yeah, exactly, since I've never even been there. So I always find that New York is is such a big character when it is in movies and TV shows. And it's definitely a big character here, but it seems more familiar, even though I've never been there. I felt like, oh, yeah, this is where they are. This seems like more approachable than, than the big, giant, you know, New Year's Eve movies that they have or, uh, like, you know, the stages in movies. It seems like this huge place to be. And here it just seemed like a familiar familiar place that I have been. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but, definitely. Um, I wanted to first talk about, so, Dash and Lily. So, I thought uh, Midori Francis was excellent as Lily. I love oh, that. Oh, she's so cute. Hey, I know, she's so cute. And I love that she never changed in the whole eight episodes. Like, she did have some growth, but she didn't change who she was. She kept, you know, her style. She kept her uh, optimism. She did, I did like that she had the growth with saying, you know, it's okay to not always be happy all the time. And you're not a coward if you, you know, just feel like you need to say, I need help right now, or just, you know, need to feel down. But she never changed who she was for Dash. And I love that. And I like that he didn't have to change who he was for her as well. And I just thought that their relationship and their chemistry together, even though they're in about like three or four scenes, their chemistry was amazing. Yeah, definitely. I really think that um, uh, Midori Francis as Lily was the perfect choice. She's so charismatic on screen. She's so fun to look at with her costume choices and her acting choices. And I think that with Lily especially, I felt like a real kinship with her because I'm a big people pleaser. I'm somebody who tends to be pretty upbeat and positive all the time. And those who know me will know that sometimes I have a hard time asking for help. Um, So seeing Lily's character grow through this was really, really great to see. And I'm so glad. I'm always going to be glad that this show didn't decide, oh, but Lily has to mature and change who she is just to show character growth. Like, no, she is still the same Lily at the end of the show, but she has had this, like, realization of, okay, this is a way for me to be better in the future without me having to completely change who I am. And, and the same goes for Dash. He's, he's still a little bit curmudgeon He's still a little bit of an ass. But, you know, Finicky. he's also... <laughs> yeah, finicky, exactly. But he's also like got this renewed sense of wonder about him. Like the world isn't as bad as he makes it out to be just because the world seems to be against him in a couple separate instances. It's it's a really cool chemistry to see between them and how they've both affected each other in such a way. And I, I completely agree with you. The chemistry between Midori and uh, Austin Abrams is uh, really, really great to see. And I think that's partially down to um, 
not just the scenes that they're in together physically, but the scenes that they share through the notebook. Um, through this notebook that they're writing in together and you hear the voiceovers and it just feels very natural. It doesn't feel like they're putting on a front for this notebook persona that they've made each other out to be, which is really, really refreshing to see. Yeah. And I like that they challenged one another. I, I thought it was awesome that, like you said, reading is cool and being a nerd is cool because they both love to read. And my favorite place as a child and still was is going to a bookstore and just being with around all those books. But I, I also like that they encouraged one another and he boosted her self-esteem, made her more confident through the notebook, and, and, and she helped him become more um, optimistic and, and see the world in a different view. But they always challenged one another and told each other, you know, take this step or try this, go out of your comfort zone. And I thought that was brilliant to show that because so yeah. many of the Gen Zers generation, I'm not quite sure. I think, I guess we are in that generation. I'm always confused by that, but we are so... I am too. I don't, I don't like to talk about being part of Gen Z because that's scary. I don't want to associate with that. No, me neither. But but I don't know if we're on the cuff of millennial. I don't know. But we are so used to um, being around screens. And I, I was at least my, my childhood compared to the Gen Zers nowadays. I was not a child when iPhones and iPads were around. I was about eight or nine, I think, when they became a thing. But so many of the young teenagers, they don't connect. And I like that this way through a notebook that they could connect. And I like at the beginning she said to him, you know, or she said to the person playing the game, if you're going to look up on your phone the answers, then just put the book back. And I thought that was brilliant how she did that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really a testament to the sticking power of the source material because the book that Dash and Lily is based off of came out in 2009, 2010, um, when, again, the smartphones and stuff, they, they were starting to really come on the scene, but they weren't a big, big thing like they are now. But obviously Dash and Lily is set in modern day, so there are like ways around certain plot points, but we choose to either not acknowledge them or go a different route to solve whatever problem is going on. Uh, and we do see, you know, people like, we're like, oh, well, we'll just use a certain app to track down the owner of this shoe, or um, we could look up this location, fine. But um, it's a real testament to the adaptation team, uh, whoever was, I can't remember who was behind the screenplay, it might have been a few different people, but it's a real testament to them taking that source material and which was from, again, 2009-2010, with a lot of tropes that could be considered outdated by today's young adult novel standards, and making them feel very fresh and really, really nuanced. Yeah, that's perfectly put. Yeah, exactly. And, and a way to bring people together during Christmas time, and, and I know when this was filmed, it was way before COVID was even a thing, but I thought it was such a timely show to be out right now because we all need a little bit of optimism and we all need to see you know people coming together and there were even some funny lines uh in the show where one of her caroler friends was like oh you need to like open up your bubble expand your yeah, bubble and i was yeah. like no don't expand your bubble no no <laughs> don't talk like, to me about bubbles <laughs> yeah don't talk to me about bubbles don't you love new york when all like Everybody can come together, and I'm like, no, don't come together. <laughs> don't do that. No. 
<laughs> Stick to your immediate household, please. Yeah, and like seeing all these like bars that are full of people and these restaurants that are full of people, I'm like, why are they not six feet apart? Why is everybody in the same room right now? Why are there like 50 people in this tiny room? Which, exactly, like, tiny I really apartment. Start... <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, when I first started the series, I was like, Wow, there's too many people in this room. But um, I was rewatching a couple episodes earlier today, and I was like, you know what? This was filmed so long before the world went to hell in a handbasket that it's okay. It's fine. <laughs> Take a breath. Take a breath. Exactly. <laughs> and and I wonder how many people are gonna try to do this right now. Like do the the red notebook thing. I'm even tempted <laughs> to wanting to do it. it seems like I such think it. I idea. think it would be in. It's, it's definitely a cute idea. I think it would be really interesting to see if this does pop up. I don't think, like, I don't think my local chapters would really appreciate just a random yeah. red notebook being left exactly. around. I think they'd get the reference, but they'd be like, maybe not. Um, yeah. But I do think that a lot of the themes in Dash and Lily are still really relevant today uh, in these COVID times uh, because... Um, Dash and Lily, when they're on their own and they're doing these adventures that are guided by their notebook personas, we'll call them, they're, they're on their own for the most part. It's a very isolating thing, but it's also something that's very freeing. So to see them go through these like yeah. activities where they're on their own, but they are being guided by another person is really, really interesting to see. So I, I, would, I would love to see more um, people take on this sort of like non-screen way of connecting let's go back to letter writing whatever happened to letter writing exactly um <laughs> but it did have um, some parallels you're right um with, with covid because there were a lot so many scenes where lily was on her own but she was putting i mean of course you can't do you know the arts and crafts thing that she went to or or that that Jewish um, party that she went to, obviously that wouldn't happen, but there was a lot of isolating experiences that they shared, you know, going to Grand Central Station, going to Central Park, and it, it did feel like something you could do now with COVID, which was interesting. Yeah, going to see somebody's like really, really just out of the box light installation, like it just, it's, it's, it's a perfect show, I think, to like, reminisce about how things are in normal times but still have this connection to the time it came out during i think that works really really well um and it works in the show's favor absolutely so would you do you want to talk about um some other characters or do you want to still talk about lily and dash because my favorite character was boomer oh. Oh, Boomer. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I have a soft spot for Langston. I'm always going to, um, Lily's brother, I'm always, always going to have a soft spot for my LGBT rep. And I I haven't read the source material. I haven't read Dash and Lily's Book of Dares. Um, I feel like I need to now. Um, but I, I was very surprised and very... Uh, very, very surprised, but also, like, so, I don't know what the word is, um, 
I, it made me feel so good to see some like LGBT rep in this show, especially uh, when the book was written in like 2009, 2010, when there was still a lot of like, there was of course, there were of course like gay characters in uh, YA lit at that time, but they weren't really relevant. And you can kind of see that in how Langston uh, is a side character, but I feel like his role has been expanded a lot from the book because this is being adapted 10 years on from when the book was first written and published. So I really hope that Langston's role was expanded. I don't know for sure. Um, But Langston's uh, storyline with Lily was so lovely. And his storyline with Benny was so great. And he does take on a few of the like stereotypes, I guess, of like, you're like, gay best friend or whatever, but I think that uh, Troy Iwata, who plays Langston, did a really good job of not leading into that, even though that was, like, it was in the script and he played with it, but he didn't just, like, do it for the camp of it. You could tell that he was putting actual, like, real heart and soul into his performance, which was really, really wonderful to see. And I liked how he, as as an older brother figure... Uh, they usually always have in movies, you know, the older brother is super mean to his younger sister and picks on his younger sister, which which is happens. But I also like how supportive yeah, I'm an he older was sibling. of her and how he was the one that told her to do the notebook and put herself out there and try something out of the box. And I thought that was really nice that he encouraged her and he was always there for her. I, they do have a, a bit of a conflict toward the end of the series, but... All in yeah. all, they're really loving towards one another, and, and that's really nice to see, because that is a true family that they have right there. Yeah, and like, I'm an older, I'm, I'm an older sibling, I have a younger brother who's, the, 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 the age difference between uh, Lily and Langston is basically the age difference between myself and my younger brother, um, and we definitely get along more than we did uh, when we were kids, we definitely get along better now, but we still like have our arguments. Um, yeah, so I think that um, having Lily and Langston's relationship be one that's very much based in like, I actually do care about you and I want to help you, both from Langston to Lily, but also from Lily to Langston, her trying to help uh, them. Uh, uh, Langston and uh, Benny work through their issues. Um, yeah, it's it's just really, really great to see. And I would like a spin-off show with Langston. Please, 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 please. He was my favorite. I'd love a spin-off of just all those side characters because I think they're great. Um, yeah, Langston, I loved him as a character... And a spin-off series would be amazing to see. And I don't know if you know, but there are actually um, more books. It is actually a Dash and Lily series. So there is Dash and Lily's Book of Dares, which this show is based off of. And then there's the 12 Days of Dash and Lily. And also Mind the Gap, Dash and Lily. So there's two more books. And I'm curious if they're going to keep them around the holidays. I assume that they will once they get around to filming it again, but I would love to see two more seasons of this. Yeah, I think that I, I know that the uh, Mind the Gap, Dash and Lily, I know that that's uh, coming out, I think, 
either came out last year or is coming out this year. Because um, I looked this up, I recently reviewed this for the Argosy uh, here at, here in uh, Sackville, so I, I had to look it up to make sure I was uh, being correct. Um, but I don't know if they'll go into the other books. I feel like they might keep this as a limited series. Um, just so that, like, it's something that people can revisit Christmas after Christmas without having to be like, oh, well, I gotta watch all three seasons of Dash and Lily. Like, mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I'm so far behind. Rather than have, because I think that's the joy of the rewatchability of this. It's just like, okay, it's eight half-hour episodes. It's like a four-hour time commitment that I can split up pretty evenly with like concrete benchmarks as to where I am in this story. Whereas like with three seasons, it's like, well, I gotta binge all three of these seasons. I, I would personally. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that the other books could be great adaptations as well, especially if they keep the same cast. I think the magic of Dash and Lily is that it is so small and that it is so short and that I think keeps with the, like, YA trend of um, having these, like, short little standalone Christmas books that tend to sell really well around the holidays. So I'd love to see Netflix dive more into this market. I'm reading currently a book that a friend lent me called Xmas, which is about like this girl and her ex-boyfriend are chasing their brothers all over California because their brothers got it into their head that they need to save Santa Claus from global warming. Um, And I would love to see that adapted because that came out in 2009. They came out in 2009, so around the same time as Dash and Lily, so I'd love to see it ad- uh, adapted and refreshed um, for 2020-2021 audiences. Um, I'd love to see Netflix keep in this sort of wheelhouse of, like, Christmas limited series that are for the, like, late teens, early 20s viewer, or even, like, the mid-teens viewer. Um, I'm not sure if I'd want a second season, though, because... It just feels like that would take the magic out of it, and it'd feel like more of a cash grab. Exactly, and and although, you know, they might want to do more adaptions of the show, I think that what's nice about this series is it, it is only eight episodes, and it has all this Christmas magic, and the actors are good, and I feel like, well, I think you know this when watching shows, that you notice that the first season and the second season are usually the best, and then after that, it, it doesn't get very well, it goes downhill, and... I don't think they can recreate this magic two more times, let alone another time. And I don't think, I think the actors will want to do something different and I don't want them to get typecast into, into these roles, um, especially Madiri. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you really want to watch something over Christmas, you know, you always go back to the staples of like Rudolph, the Red-Nosed Reindeer, you know, Home Alone, Miracle on 34th Street. And and this one could, I could consider it to be one of those, but not if it has more seasons. Yeah, and also it's such a lovely contained story. It has a very clear beginning, middle, and end. And there's not yeah. really, maybe the book ends a little differently and that's why they continued to write books around these two characters, but I feel like the show has such a contained story with a very clear end point and like we could we, we we could expand on this if we wanted to but dash this has been dash and lily's story this is it eight episodes mm-hmm. you've got it and that's it i think that's the real special sauce with this series and i'd, I'd hate to see netflix dilute it for the pure reason of more money <laughs> yeah and i don't want to see them you know have a problem in their relationship because they spoilers i mean you probably should watch this before listening to this, but 
but you know they end up together in the end and, and i don't want to see the complexities of you know maybe them breaking up or having problems it's a christmas rom-com it's, it's a christmas, christmas rom-com rom it is not a spoiler exactly. that they end up together <laughs> exactly yeah and and i was reading reviews about the show and and they really like nitpick at at certain things especially at at their age of being 17 yeah it would have been more interesting to see them maybe be a bit more of our age but it's like it's a show and, and there were so many people picking at like oh you know if you left a notebook in grand central station someone would steal it or how many people does lily know in new york how many connections does she have and okay but it is a rom-com and people need to understand that rom-coms are a fantasy and that's what makes them so great and that's what makes and also, so special. and also the Hallmark movies of, of, of Christmas as well. And also the Hallmark movies around Christmas as well. Um, you know, like, oh, dang, big city doctor has to go back to her small hometown and she <laughs> runs into this man who's a carpenter even though she has a big, fancy, important CEO fiancé back home. Like, th yeah. there's a certain magic around Christmas media that just can't be duplicated, and it requires a suspension of disbelief so that they can be enjoyed. And a lot of the Hallmark Christmas movies, um, and like just Christmas movies in general, they tend to skew a little bit older. They cast older people, and the only if you get a teenager in the cast, they're probably like a little surly, and they don't really care about Christmas, but they're along for the ride anyway. And then you get like kids who are like, I believe in Santa or whatever. So to have yeah. some sort of Christmas rom-com that is focused on kids who are around my age, a little younger now because, God forbid, I'm 21. Um, <laughs> but to have to have have um, a Christmas rom-com set with people who are my age-ish in this age range is really refreshing because it's something different and it's something new and I think that this show is going to have a lot of sticking power with this like late teens early 20s audience because especially this year uh, most people who are on Netflix as far as I know like I don't know many 20 somethings without a Netflix account and especially this year a lot of people are really craving that extra dose of holiday cheer and they're really craving that nostalgia factor and I think that Dash and Lily really deliver on both those counts yeah and there's so many holiday movies where it centers around like love actually like the holiday which center around um single women and men in their 30 late 30s and early 40s and it's nice to see a romantic show for people around our own age and if we start picking on it like you know oh what if it was like a creepy 50 year old man who was like corresponding with her or you know if we pick on it then it just loses it, it it's fun and this is not going to be a golden globe winning yeah. show i mean we know it when the when the, mo the show opens but but you have to have a sense of awe when you watch it and and believe just like what christmas is all about yeah exactly you have to be able to um, like turn this on and stop thinking about oh like what am I going to do about my travel plans that suddenly got cancelled oh what am I going to do about all of these final exams that I have to do that I haven't started studying for yet that have all had to be changed around like Christmas media in general uh, is meant to be something that you can just turn on and escape to for a couple of hours and not think about the world outside and, and give you a little bit more of a rosy disposition and remind you that 
about what the season is all about. And one of the one of the common tropes I've I've noticed recently is you know the magic none of not just of Christmas, um, but of New York City in general. Like you always see these stories about like these two people in this huge city who manage to find each other through some trope or another. And I think Dash and Lily is a perfect example of that being well executed. A lot of times they are not, but uh, sometimes in rare instances they are. And I think Dash and Lily really delivers on that as well. Yeah, and, and I think it's was really well written. We're so used to now romantic comedies used to be, I think, much better than they have been since since Hallmark movies have really taken off the last ten years. But I loved it because one of my favorite romantic films is You've Got Mail, and how similar they were. Even though You've Got Mail is twenty years old now, just when the internet was really taking taking off. And again, it, it's people in their mid to late thirties and. And this one is very similar to You've Got Mail. I think they even mentioned You've Got Mail in the show, uh, except they're letter writing, which I love. And in You've Got Mail, they're emailing. So it, it was really interesting that they did that. And for younger audiences, I really like that. And I wanted to just say, um, go back to Langston. You liked Langston. I really liked Langston, too. But I also really liked Boomer. And for people who don't exactly remember who Boomer is, Boomer is played by uh, Dante Brown. I think I've pronounced his name correctly. And he is, I think, the most taken advantage of character throughout the show. He is Dash's best friend. This poor in, man. This poor man. He were, he's best friends with um, Dash. And, and he helps Dash literally win the girl of his dreams, who is Lily. And, and you know, figure out, you know, how, how am I going to get the clues to her? And where's a good place to go? And helps him with all his emotions and how he feels about her and people from his past. And he's just the best friend ever. Yeah, he's, he's just along for the ride. Um, and I appreciate a good middleman causing uh, chaos as much as the next person. Um, but I enjoy that Boomer, you know, as a, as, a, as a black character, isn't, like, his sole purpose isn't just, like, being the middleman. Like, he's actively helping yeah. uh, Dash and Lily uh, get together, which is really, really great. Uh, he's, he's a more active best friend than I've seen in rom-coms, and um, he's just, like, a really fun character. He gets some of the best lines. He gets some of the best scenes. He's a really, really good character in general outside of being best friends with Dash, I think. Yeah. And I like that in most rom-coms, it's always like the girl and then the girl has a best friend. And in Lily's case, she doesn't really have a group of friends, which I really liked because in so many instances, it doesn't have the typical high school stereotypes, even though we never see them in high school because it is the holidays. But, you know, when I was in high school, I didn't have a big group of friends and I felt alone a lot of the time. And, and it's nice that they show that you don't just have this best friend because I, I never had that in high school. And I like that Dash has mm -hmm. the best friend, which which is really nice, refreshing to see. Yeah, Dash has the best friend in Boomer, but I think that Lily's best friend substitute is definitely Langston. Like he takes yes. on a lot of that for her because they are so close; they see each other every day. Um, <laughs> um, and I like that uh, again talking about Langston and Lily's relationship just because it was so nice for me to see as an older sibling um, 
it, it was nice to see Langston take on a lot of those best friend duties that normally wouldn't befall his character, but do in this instance. And it was good to see him get his own little story as well. It's It doesn't feel like any of the side characters are just there to be side characters. Mm. Each of them has a reason for being there. Each of them has a point, And each of them gets a resolution by the end of the series, which I think is lovely. Yeah, and it shows, like you said, people of color, ethnicities and cultural backgrounds on Lily's part. It shows really nice Japanese culture. I loved watching that. And it shows, you know, Lily's strict grandpa, but how, you know, he isn't just strict. He has... He has those same emotions, and I, I like at the end when he, he gives, like, money to each um, family member, and then he says what you have to work on, and that's literally by my opa. <laughs> and it, it just was funny how, like, I am not a person of color, but, like, my, my opa's literally, like, he's very generous with money, but he also is very, very generous with saying what is wrong with you yeah. and what you need to improve yeah, on. Yeah, he, like, calls and you out. He calls, my family totally calls calls me out and other family members out but it was really nice to see that it's not just Japanese culture that can be strict or it's not just a a Caucasian family it it was really nice to see it and relate to that in in those ways Mm -hmm. yeah definitely I mean I I can't really relate to um I'm a white woman I cannot relate to Lily's situation exactly my family's all English Irish Um, I don't really have any of that but just knowing that like seeing that Lily's family is there to hold her accountable for her actions at the end of the day is something really really interesting and I liked that in in so many um, in so many Christmas movies and shows um, <clears throat> the parents are often like hanging over the kids' shoulders and are being like, "Okay, well, don't do this." But mm-hmm. um, the parents are away for most of the show. They they leave in the first episode. They come back towards the end of the se- the the season, um, and I kind of liked that they they, they weren't there because yeah. oftentimes parent characters, when done correctly, can be really good and can be a really good yeah. uh, influence for the like uh, child characters but sometimes they can just be annoying especially in rom-com situations so oh, yeah. uh, I, I appreciated uh, Lily's parents not being around but I did enjoy her I like relationship that they were with her grandfather <laughs> and even and even her relationship with her great aunt uh, uh, lovely Mrs. Basley um her relationship with her great aunt is so sweet, and I think she really took on that like more caring, motherly uh, role for Lily, which made it really special. Oh yeah, and the parents, they're completely absent, and, and I find that they're a bit useless when they are in it, but the aunt and the grandma, I, uh, aunt and the grandpa, I love the aunt so much, she was just so out there. She just loved being who she was, and I was mm-hmm. like, okay, right away, I know how li- where Lily gets that from. It's not from her parents, it's from her mm-hmm. aunt. And I loved how the aunt kind of gave away Dash's name. She was like, in the pun, she was just, <laughs> when uh, Lily really wants to figure out who yeah. Dash's name is, and, and Dash knows Lily's names, but, name, but Lily doesn't know who she is writing to, and and her aunt says, oh, you know, you better dash over there quickly, no pun intended. And I just thought I was cringing. I was like, oh, my God, you just ruined it. But it was so well done, so well executed. 
But they need, she needed the help. Poor girl, she yeah. needed the help. She was, Lily gets a little lost at the, at, towards the end of the season, but she does turn it around. But when she's that lost, I just felt so bad for her. I was yeah. like, no, I, Lily, just hold out. Just, like, wait two seconds, I promise. It yeah, was, she gets it so... It was rather something, but no. That's Mrs. the... Yeah. Sorry, continue. No, it's just that Mrs. Mrs. Basley was definitely, I think aside from Langston, my favorite side character, just because she just reeked of such elegance, and you could so see her influence over Lily and where she got everything from. I think she, I personally think she was criminally underused. I think she could have been (laughs) a lot more prominent than she was. I would like a Mrs. Basley spinoff show as well. (laughs) Please and thank you. I don't want, I don't want more seasons of Dash and Lily, but I would love love just like a Mrs. Basley show or a Langston show or even a Boomer show. I think a, a boomer, boomer show <laughs> would be really fun. Yeah, who has a pizza parlor with videos and DVDs? That's so cool. <laughs> and you know, Dash just yeah, watches and it's, like again, French it's, it's... New Wave films. What a guy. <laughs> and again, it's like, I, I feel like the, the, the video DVD store in the pizza po- place was like a, a holdover from the source material that they didn't want to let go because it does turn into a little bit of an important plot point. Um, I feel like that might have been a little bit of a holdover, but I mean, who am I to say? People don't really watch DVDs these days. Um, my family does because we have a DVD player and like Blu-rays and stuff, but um, to have that there as like a bit of a holdover from the source material I thought was really neat. It makes it Having the combination of the stuff in the source material from, like, 2009, 2010, and having the more updated stuff of, like, smartphones and texting and Instagram and stuff, mm-hmm. having that blend of the these two, like, decades, basically, I think really makes the show feel very timeless, and it really enhances the rewatchability for me. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and when you say your parents, my mom still buys DVDs, and I'm like, Mom, they're so expensive now. DVDs are so expensive. But, but you know, it, it's nice to see the, the bit of generation gap because I can relate to that in my family. Mm-hmm. Um, I also wanted to just say, did you, I don't know, but when I was first watching it, and it went away later on, but when I first watched the first episode of Dash and Lily, I got very much Timothy Chalamet vibes from Dash and I thought, hey, were they, like, asking Timothy Chalamet to be in this role? And, you know, they just picked Plan B Because <laughs> I got total Timothy Chalamet vibes. And I actually ended up liking Austin Abrams' portrayal of Dash. I think he did a really good job. I don't think anyone else could have done it. Mm. And I liked how he kind think, of was out there, too. I think, um, I think that... I don't think they would have asked Timothy Chalamet. Yeah. I don't think Netflix for this series would have had quite that amount of pull. And I also think Timothy Chalamet would have asked for too much money because he's a big yeah. movie star now. He's in Dune. Yeah. Um, exactly. And he, <laughs> he wouldn't do a holiday film. He's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's been nominated for Oscars, I think. Yeah. Uh, like he, he's, he's asking for too much money. But I think Austin Abrams was the perfect sort of substitute. You would... For Dash, you would want somebody who's, like, a little bit brooding, a pinch of jaded, a little bit... Again, that word finicky comes up, um, but, like, has the ability to change. And he has a great look on camera as well. Um, Again, it doesn't feel like a total YA trope of, like, oh, the brooding, mysterious boy who doesn't like Christmas. Like, 
he doesn't feel like he's a walking trope, which is a testament to the writing and to the design team for Dash's character and to Abrams himself for doing a really, really great job with the material he was given. Yeah, and I like the words that they describe him as throughout the show, like finicky and particular. And right away when you see those words, or I guess you could describe Lily as peppy, but you get an image of the person. And I like that they don't stay entirely in like Lily's not always peppy and and Dash is not always finicky but that's kind of the ground of who they are and I, I really like that when they use those adjectives to describe them Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's a really great, again, the, the, the opposites attract trope here is alive and well, because Dash and Lily, at the start of the show, they are so different, like, it's, it, it hits you right away of Lily being like, he hates Christmas? What the, what the hell am I even doing? Right? Mm-hmm. Um, but by the time they come together at the end of the show, and they've both influenced each other so much in their own ways, and they've, they've, come to know each other so well i think it's it's a really really interesting way to have done it and i think that it Mm -hmm. works really well again in the show's favor yeah i totally i totally agree and i also wanted to just say i love the literature references throughout you know the clues and throughout the show and how she says one of the clues says uh, a book where a children's book where Santa gives weapons to children, and right away I was like, yeah. oh my god, it's the line, the witch in the wardrobe, Narnia, and I thought that was so clever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm an English major, uh, so I read a lot. Um, so the the fact that this the the sort of hallmark of this was a notebook in a bookstore and we keep coming back to literature and we keep coming back to um to things like the bookstore um it was really really neat for me to have this sort of literature base especially because you know this was a book first so it's a it's a whole sort of full circle moment of uh of uh, references i think and it's mm-hmm. yeah it was it was just really great to have that literary reference because it's what connects them it's the first thing that connects them and the fact that it all uh, weaves together really nicely is is really really great yeah and i also liked how dash you know he's basically abandoned well they both are basically abandoned during christmas time but dash is especially abandoned and his parents really don't give a crap about him and i really like the scene where when we're going to go into the the supporting characters or the exes and elbot stuff in a second but i like the scene where he is eating dinner with his dad and his dad seems to have like a girlfriend you know, every second week, a different young girlfriend. And I loved how real that scene felt when, you know, there is always somebody in your life who you feel doesn't understand who you are, or they always expect you to fail or expect you to, you know, to never grow. And they always want to see you as this way that they picture you in their head. And I liked when the dad asked him a really confrontational question, like, so why don't you come on trips with me? And, and having, you know, the idea of Dash play in his head, well, you know, you don't ever invite me, first of all. Second of all, you always have your new girlfriend along, so how am I included? And, and I thought that was really realistic of how they did that because, you know, there are people in your life that you're going to have 
that don't understand who you are or like you for who you are and really want to get to know who you are. And I like that he took a deep breath and just kind of figured out, okay, I'm not gonna get into the same, obviously we don't see what their past relationship is like, but it's obviously, you know, he says a quip back and then they get into a fight. And Lily helps him through the writing think, okay, I don't want to go through the same thing every Christmas or every time I see my father and I'm gonna go a different route and change the subject. And I thought that was really well done. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think that um, I would have I would have loved to see Dash's relationship more with his parents, I think. But I think the fact that we don't um, is better for his character. Um, yeah. Because then you don't have you you have um, you have a really stark contrast, but also a lot of commonality between um, the absence of Dash's parents and the absence of Lily's parents, which are both for very different reasons. But um, but yeah, I I loved that uh, Dash was able to um, really rely on Lily subconsciously in that moment, even though she wasn't there. She was still able to give him advice. And even that later that same episode when Lily finally allows herself to be angry. Um, that was so powerful. That when she just like destroys these snowmen and goes into this stand-up uh, slam poetry evening and just vents with a microphone. It's so well yeah. done. And you can really see how how much one has influenced the other and again it's that magic of new york city it's that magic of christmas that these two are obviously something special that the city has brought together so now it's up to them to make it happen you know yeah and although they are 17 they're so mature for their age and you know they're basically sending this love letter to new york it is a love letter to new york which was is really nice because new york and everywhere around the world but New York in particular is having a really difficult time right now. And I thought that was nice. But also when you were saying the slam poetry thing, I liked how real it was how there is trauma that we all have in our childhood. Maybe it doesn't seem like a big deal at the time or, you know, we push it out of our mind. But there is also, there is some trauma in, our, in everybody's life. And I like how they show that, you know, it doesn't bother her all the time. But when someone from her past comes, Edgar, who I just hated Edgar so much. But when he comes back into her life, oh, I thought that was worst. really well done. I wish they hadn't really put in... Edgar, I, I know they needed like the triangle, like the love triangle thing, but I just, I found it a bit like when, when she, at the end, when she's at the, the bar and she's gotten drunk because she's really upset that Dash didn't come to give her the, or her aunt, I guess, didn't come to give her the name of who he is. Uh, I just, I didn't like yeah. it. I didn't like how she got drunk because it was so not Lily and then she starts kissing this ass of a guy. And then Dash walks in and sees them kissing, and I'm just was like, oh, why did they have to do this? I wanted their meet cute to be so much different. Yeah. Yeah, it, it could have been... Um, their, their real life meet cute, I think, could have been better, but every good rom-com needs a moment of crisis. Um, and Dash and Lily hadn't really experienced that in like their personal relationship yet. Um... So having these other two potential love interests 
sort of put them on collision courses towards each other, I think was really, really interesting. And did it suck? Yes. Was I banging my head against the wall because these two idiot, like, 17, 18-year-olds are being 17, 18-year-olds who don't really know anything? Yes. But is it worth it at the end for the payoff? Absolutely. This show, I think, really plays with the idea of... um, the idealistic version of people like lily has this idea of dash built up in her head when he's just mystery boy dash has this idea of lily built up in his head and one of the main worries is what if they don't like me for me what if when we meet we realize it's this whole thing was just an illusion and it wasn't worth it it wasn't worth all this trouble um and we see that theme play out with Edgar and Lily, with Sophia and Dash, um, and even with the people around them who, like, are in very different camps, like, um, uh, Langston warns Lily, like, are you sure that you aren't just building this guy up in your head? I don't want you to get let down at the end of the day. Um, and I think it's it's a really interesting way to go about this when like it's it's so anonymous like it, it it's easy enough to Dash says to Lily like you can I'm not telling you my name because it would significantly narrow the pool so I'm just gonna have to stay a mystery so the fact that they stay a mystery for so long I think is what makes the show really compelling because you're just waiting for them and waiting for them and waiting for them to cross paths but then when they do they don't realize that the other person is the other person, but there's still that spark between them. There's still that spark, and you, you uh, can tell right I away. Know. <laughs> that was my favorite scene. Exactly. And, and for people that may not remember or, or, or hasn't seen it yet, my favorite, my personal favorite scene is when Edgar takes Lily to the party that Sophia, Dash's ex, or Dash's ex's friend is hosting. And they cross paths and, and, you know, they're both kind of the outsiders at the party. And Lily comes dressed up in a Christmas outfit, literally something I would dress up as for a Christmas party. I would not go in one of those, like, slinky dresses because it's super cold and super short in New York in winter and in Canada in the winter. (laughs) And how she comes to a Christmas party is literally how I would come. And, you know, they're commenting on each other's outfits. And Lily says something really funny. I I thought their chemistry was so good in that scene and that awkwardness and how they were, like, saying, oh, why don't we just, like, get out of here and, you know, steal something and rob a bank and how they were saying how that seems easier than socializing with these people that they cannot relate to at all. And I thought that that scene of when we first... And it's like, if only they knew. If only they they knew. And she's so close to saying, or he's so close to saying... Oh, no, he says his name, but she's so close to saying, I'm Lily. And then they get interrupted by their, their the couples they went to the party with. And I thought their chemistry was so good in that scene. The only problem I did have with this show, and everything about it I thought was wonderful, but I thought that they had really good chemistry in that scene, but then when they meet again in the end, their chemistry is not as good. And I don't know what order that they ended up filming this show in, because they, they usually do it. Uh, out of order, but I thought that their opening scene of when they met was way better than their closing scene. But that's just my opinion. Yeah, I think that the, um, um, the it, it definitely like slacked off a little bit towards the end because it was like, 
I think it was a very like, oh, well, we know what's going to happen now. So maybe it was one of the first scenes they shot together, which, you know, a little awkward. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I found it awkward. I found it rushed. I found it very rushed. But also, like, but also you have to consider the whole last episode is a rush because Lola's parents are like, come on, we got to we have to get on this plane to go to Fiji for your dad's new job. Like Lily's time is so limited. Um Lily's time is incredibly limited, so, like, they have to rush this to make sure that Lily knows how Dash feels about her. And, again, this might be a holdover from the source material. There's no way for me to be sure, because I haven't read it, but, again, maybe I will. I'm facing two weeks of self-isolation coming up pretty soon, so (laughs) I'll have the time. Um, But um, I think that in terms of rom-com endings, it could have been... The, the, the chemistry could have been a little more cohesive with what we saw earlier, but I think it also plays into the fact really well of, like, they have this initial spark, but they've only gotten to know each other through this anonymous way, so now they have to figure out how they fit together as, like, actual people, which I feel like is probably what the other books in this series focus on. Yeah, and... And you feel so invested in them as characters as well, because now we know that they are just real people too, and they've met, you know, for the second time. And this this is now not a fantasy anymore. This is their relationship. They're not going to be writing each other little love letters or little things about themselves in a notebook anymore. This is real life. And I thought that was well done for sure. Yeah. Did you have a favorite scene? Oh gosh. Um. Let me think. There's so many good ones. Um, I think um, my favorite scene. Mm. <laughs> there were so many good ones. I, I'm sorry, I put you I re- on the spot. <laughs> because I rewatched, I rewatched the first three episodes, uh, first two episodes uh, today and yesterday, um, just to remind myself of where everything started. And I will say that Dash in the second episode getting Santa's hat was so great. Mm-hmm. The the way that they have to try and get into Santa Land and the fact that like Santa knows Lily, um, it was really, really interesting to see and it was a really great introduction to how Dash and Lily respectively are going to push each other. Um and how they're going to convince the other to go outside their comfort zones. Yeah, and I like how in the first two episodes, it's just about one of the others. So the first episode is just about Dash, and the second episode is just about Lily. And I really like that. And then the rest of that, them, they, they overlap. But I, I like that it started how we got to know Dash first. I thought that was really interesting. And we just saw Midori as the voiceover. I'd expected... I had expected us to get to know Lily first and start us off on the right foot, so I thought it was a really interesting choice that we started with Dash. So, exactly. again, I feel like that's a holdover from the source material, the most said phrase of this episode. Um, the, the book likely started with a Dash chapter, and so and they probably alternated between Dash, Lily, Dash, Lily, Dash, Lily, um, which was because the, the book was written by two authors, so I feel like that's how they ended up doing it. Um... So they probably said, well, the book starts with a Dash chapter. We must also start with a Dash episode. It only makes sense. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think yeah. of some of my other favorite scenes from the show. I mean, I think, I think 
the one that's standing out to me from later in the season is when Dash goes to see that Christmas light display and he sees this old couple getting their picture taken in front yeah. of them and Lily's like, I'll send you a sign and then the the like light comes up that says believe. Oh my gosh, I like that. And it's something you can even do now with COVID. Um, here in, in Vancouver, we have the uh, Canuck House, which is basically a house for, for families to live in when their children are going through uh, cancer treatment. And it's like this really big old manor house, and it was donated um, many, many years ago. And every year they have this huge, like, um, holiday decorations in their gardens for people to walk around with their their families and kind of be in the Christmas spirit and we can't go inside the public but you can drive around it and, and from the outside and, and it really it's really magical and it reminded me of of what Dash saw and how special that is so it was really close to home to see that even though I've never been to New York I also liked how um <laughs> how the, the music was so good, and, and Christmas music, I love Christmas music, I love singing Christmas music, it just makes me so happy, my, I think my favorite, two favorite Christmas albums are probably uh, the Charlie Brown Christmas album, Instrumental, and uh, Michael Bublé, but the music that they use in this one is so great, it's so fun, I downloaded the soundtrack, uh, it really put me in the spirit, and it's it's just perfect and it works parallel with the show. Especially having the first song that they pull, um, that Dash and Lily pull specifically, is being River by Joni Mitchell, which is one of my favorite Christmas songs. Okay, awesome. So did Dash and Lily move you or not? It definitely moved me. It was, as I said at the beginning, I had a pretty crappy week, and so it was nice to just like sit back and let the Christmas spirit wash over me. As soon as I finished the series, I put my Christmas tree up, I decorated it this past weekend. Like, my apartment is ready for Christmas, and I'm so... Now that I've watched that and I know that I have it to come back to, I'm genuinely excited about the holidays now, um, even though it's going to look different than what I'm used to because of stinky, stinky COVID. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. It definitely moved me. And I think I would have enjoyed this series even if there wasn't a pandemic this year. Like if it was out last year, I still would have watched it and I still would have enjoyed it. But I don't think mm -hmm. it would have had as much of an impact on me as it does right now with, with the pandemic and, yeah. and, you know, not being able to see people that I love or friends and, and having that and having some Christmas joy because this is a very depressing time um, and it's really hard some days, you know, and it was really uplifting. It really put me in the Christmas spirit, remembering what really matters in life and seeing something fresh for once, not always the same Christmas movies year after year on TV or on Netflix. And I like that it was something fresh, something with people our own age. Yeah, no, it just, it just, the pandemic just makes it more special. It just, it just makes it a lot more special and it gives it this extra code of magic. I think that it really needed. Yeah. And not to take, you know, family for granted and loved ones for, for granted. And I definitely think I would watch this again. I, I see this as a Christmas classic. Uh, how about you? Do you see this as a Christmas classic? I'm already watching it again. <laughs> I'm already watching it again. Uh, it's, but I definitely think I'll revisit it. I definitely do. It, it gave a much-needed dollop of holiday cheer. And I think... Even if next year, if 2021 is better than 2020, because what year couldn't be better than 2020? Um, 
but I think I'll definitely come back to it, and I'm probably going to convince my parents to watch it when I'm out of self-isolation. I think they'll really enjoy it, too. It's just, it's so lovely and wholesome, and I think it's exactly what the world needs right now. And I highly recommend watching Dash and Lily and checking out the soundtrack. It is only eight episodes, so it won't take up too much of your time, especially if you are in quarantine, like Hannah will be. And I want to thank you, Hannah, for coming back on the show Again, it was a pleasure to have you back. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to click the subscribe button. If you want to suggest some movies for us to do, you can email me at emmareviewsmovies at gmail.com. That's all lowercase. E-M-M-A reviewsmovies at gmail.com. See you next time.